Jean is going to share with us her salvation testimony. And although this is our scheduled last night of this training, if we get through everything, if you would ever like to do this on a Wednesday night, we'll give you two minutes. If you go two and a half, we will gong you. If you're old enough to remember the gong show. Our, we have a trap door that we pull out. Somebody Sunday morning at 11 o'clock was praying that I would lose my voice, and I had a coughing fit at the end of the sermon if you were in here. And Greg, was that you praying for that? Well, it, his prayer was effective. So, Gene, why don't you go ahead and share your salvation testimony with us? I grew up in a very moral family, but it wasn't very religious. I was taken to Sunday school on Sunday mornings, though. There was a revival at my church when I was in the fourth grade. The children were gathered during the Sunday school hour, and we heard the plan of salvation. I chose to follow Jesus and was led in the sinner's prayer. As I got into high school, I was able to go to church more and became more involved. I began reading the Bible myself. In college, I looked back at the experience I had as a child and questioned if it was true or was I just following the crowd. So I decided I needed to pray for forgiveness again and trust Jesus as my Lord. I was baptized a second time. A few years later, as a mother with children making the decision to trust Jesus, I saw that as a child, my experience was true. I trusted at a level a child understood. In my early 20s, I had grown spiritually and understood more, but I didn't understand that child's faith that brought me to Jesus at age 10. I realized that from that initial salvation experience, I had continued to mature in Christ until I reached the point as a young mother that I understood my whole life had been a process of growing in my knowledge, faith, and trust in Christ. Amen. Would you give Jean a hand? Thank you, Jean. And, you know, sometimes we, we do, we, you've talked to somebody who was saved, made a profession of faith, and was baptized when they were six, seven years old, and many years later, they look back and say, man, I, I understood what I was doing, and it was real. Uh, other times, they didn't understand, and it wasn't real, and only God knows the difference in that, and, and I love what Jean said. She, she got baptized twice. That didn't hurt anything at all, did it? And, but you realize when you were a little older that that decision as a child was, was real. Thank you so much for sharing this evening. Again, we would welcome you to, if you would like to, in the days ahead. Just don't Google testimony.com and come up here with some wild story, okay? All right, session six. This has been fun for me. I hope it has been for you. I hope it's been helpful. As we, if, if you're new tonight, what we've been going over, and we have all the sessions up here. We've got a lot of material for you if you would like to take anything home too tonight, and I'll share some of that with you. But we've been trying to help each other learn how to share our faith and and knowing how to help other people come to Christ is one of the most important things you can know and a lot of people know well they think they do about the Bible and theology but they don't they're not very uh, skilled or equipped in in sharing their faith and if you can't share your faith with somebody you're you're failing in Christianity 101 last time we talked about the sinner's prayer do y'all remember that it was three weeks ago uh, and let's review real quick Four parts, or really three parts, of leading someone through a sinner's prayer to accept Christ. Number one, you admit, you admit, A, admit. If you remember the ABCs, this will help you. You, you, you. You're trying to lead someone to admit that they're a sinner 
and that they want to repent of their sins. B is, what's B? It's believed. To become a Christian, you need to believe Jesus is God's son and that he died on the cross. You don't have to understand it, but you have to accept it. And then that belief biblically leads us to number C, and that's what? That's commit. And remember, I gave you a G. It's especially effective when you're dealing with younger people. And that G stands for what? Give. Because to commit your life to Christ or give your life to Christ is the same thing, right? To, to use a favorite, uh, favorite pastor illustration, if you decided to commit a million dollars to the church tonight or give a million dollars, we would be thrilled either way. Amen. Okay, you don't like that illustration, but you understand it, right? Commit and give. Okay, how do we wrap this up tonight? We're going to try to wrap it up. And and, and let's begin, number one, looking for witnessing opportunities. Number one, pray for them. Hey, you do this experiment. You ask God, you ask God to give you the opportunity to share Christ with someone, and you pray that prayer consistently, you know what will happen? You will get that opportunity. That is a prayer I can promise you God will answer. Many of you prayed to win the lottery a few weeks ago. Obviously, it didn't pan out for you. You don't have to confess that. But when you pray and ask God to give you a chance to share your faith, God will give you a chance to share your faith. Number two, look for these opportunities anytime in any place, anytime in any place. How many of you think you can share Christ outside of the church? That's where you're going to get the opportunities most of the time. One of the coolest opportunities I had in our previous town in Cisco, Texas, I, I met with the man at the Dairy Queen one Monday night. And as we talked, I, he, he was not a Christian, and we got to the point he was ready to give his life to Christ at Dairy Queen. Now, you cannot get saved at a restaurant, correct? That's what he thought, because I said, hey, why don't we do this right now? He goes, at Dairy Queen? And I said, at the DQ, buddy, let's do it. And he prayed right there in Dairy Queen and gave his life to Christ, and I baptized him a week later. Isn't that great? See, anytime, any place. You look for witnessing opportunities. Number three, invite people to church. You say, was that a witnessing opportunity? It's, it's, it's an introduction to it. A good church is a great place for a person to meet Jesus. Isn't that, shouldn't that be common knowledge? I will throw this in there. A bad church is a great place to turn someone off of Jesus. But a good, pl- a good church is a, is a place, a great place for a person to meet Jesus. Okay, number two. Here's a common question. How in the world do I start a witnessing conversation? Well, you can go up to them and stick a, their hand under a lighter and burn it a minute and go, do you want to spend eternity in hell? You best hope you can beat that person up because you may have to fight them, right? Here's some good questions, a good way to start a conversation. Number one, ask, do you have a religious or denominational background? That's non-offensive. Do, do you, are you, you, you Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim? Do you have a denominational background? Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian? That's a good way to get the ball started. And what they say 
gives you opportunity. Here's the second thing. What church do you attend? Now, I'm going to promise you, after being in Ruston 16 years, everybody says they go to church. Amen? Mike Benefield, you may not remember telling me this, but years ago you told me you did a pretty extensive survey of Ruston, and you found out of all the churches in Ruston, and there's only 842, that about 15% of the people were in church every week, which is amazing. So people, you know, they say they go to church, they may be telling you the truth, but a lot of people are going to tell you they have a church they attend. Here's a third question I like to ask people. Have you ever been sprinkled or baptized? That's a, that's a good introductory question, a good religious question. Well, yes, I'm a, I'm a, a Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. Well, you, you've been baptized. You've been sprinkled. Number four, five, and six, you start getting a little bit deeper. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, you can really cut to the core of some of this. Here's number four. Can you remember, can you remember a time when you genuinely gave your life to Christ. Now, that you're, starting to, you're starting to up the ante at that point, but that's a great question. Can you remember a time when you gave your life to Christ? And number five, be ready for this one. Do you know where you will spend eternity when you die? A lot of times you may hear nobody can know. You need to have some good biblical responses for that. Number five, do you know where you will spend eternity when you die? And number six, I have found to be, when you get the opportunity, this is, the, uh, th- th- this is really, really an effective question. If you were standing before God right now, if you were standing before God right now, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? If you were standing before God right now, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? I didn't, I guess I was meaning to trick my friend, but when I first learned these series of questions was when I was in graduate school. And I had, I went home back to Tennessee during spring break, and I was with one of my lifelong friends who is not a Christian. He is now, and, and I didn't lead him to Christ, but he's, a, a, hopefully I played a, an influence, but he's a strong Christian now. But I was looking for a way to witness to him. I mean, he knows I'm a preacher. I'm off at graduate school to be a preacher, and he knows I'm used to be a partier, and now I'm not. He knows all those things, but I'm, man, I want to I want to see him get saved. And so what I said was, I said, man, Keith, I said, in one of our classes, one of the professors threw this question out, and it was really powerful. He asked us, he goes, you know, do you know where you would spend eternity or if, if you were standing before God? If God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Isn't that a powerful question? I ne- this is 1986. He looked at me, and his face turned kind of pale, and he goes, I have no idea what I would say. And we spent the next two hours, obviously ineffectively on my part, witnessing to him, but getting the chance to do that. If you get an opportunity, number five and six, really bring the point home. Do you know where you'll spend eternity when you die? And and that number six, if you're standing before God, hey, you're going to stand before God. Everybody in this room is. Maybe that's a question you need to answer tonight. And God says, why would I, shall I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And you say, well, I'm a good Baptist. 
I went to the WMU. I was a preacher. I sang in the choir. I sang in the praise team. I worked with the youth. All those things are great. That's not going to get you into heaven, is it? I gave my life to Jesus. I'm trusting in Jesus. That's the only answer that works. Number three, using a track. What is a track? You know what a track is? It's one of these little tools here. And you say, well, why, why would I ever use one of these? T- Let me give you some reasons. One, it's simple and clear. There's A good track is simple and clear. Now, down front tonight, we have two different types of tracks that you can get. Your tithe money have bought them, so you can take them. Amen? Don't take a pew and say, well, my tithe money bought that, but you can take a track. We will let you have, we will let you have that. Uh, one of my favorite is this, the bridge to life. It's very simple, but it's not so simple that it would make someone be childish. It's a, a track a lot of times is simple and clear. Number two, it helps you stay on the subject. If you've witnessed very much to people, tell me if you agree with this. One of the devil's greatest things is distraction. Would you agree with that? I mean, you're talking to somebody about Jesus, Norman, and you've, you're talking about going to heaven and hell, and all of a sudden they say, what do you think of that Bama LSU game? Well, I would say that LSU experienced more of the bad side of eternity that night, Right? But that's what happens. Or you're, you're trying to witness to them, and their phone goes off now. Right. A track will help you. It'll help you stay on subject. And it's a visual aid. Number three, it's visual. We live in a very what society? Visual society. That's why, I, when you, you know, Andy, we'd have never dreamed years ago you could preach and have scriptures on the screen, videos on the screen, and points on the screen, would you? I mean, it's just amazing, but that's the world we live in. So a track is helpful. We've got a bunch of them down here. Let me tell you a neat story, but it's a true story. There was an evangelist named Bob Otten. Bob's been dead a long time now. Bob was, uh, he, he was... As a grown man, he was not a Christian. He was not a very good guy. He was, uh, he was far from God. He was walking down the street in Chicago one day, walking down the street. Someone, a complete stranger, ran up to him and said, here, take this, gave him a religious track, and ran off. He never saw that person again. Bob took it home, read it, and got saved and spent his life as a preacher. Is that not a great story? So you never know, even by just giving somebody one of these things, what can happen. Don't downplay what what can happen. Number four this evening, let's talk about some basic follow-up after conversion. Getting to lead someone to Christ is one of the greatest things ever, but we can't stop there, can we? That's the beginning point. That's the new birth, and you, you don't... I've been to the hospital many times, and I've never seen someone say, we had a baby yesterday, we're so excited, we're just going to leave him here and go away. you got to nurture that child, don't you? Andre, you have eight of them. you got to, don't you? you got to nurture Greg, too, just like Cindy has to nurture me. You've got to nurture, you, you've got to nurture a baby. Here's the first thing I think we ought to do. Number one, talk with them immediately about assurance of their salvation. Talk to them right off the bat. Talk with them immediately about assurance of their salvation. Three scriptures I will often use when I'm, I'm witnessing and after someone's prayed to receive Christ. Romans ten thirteen. Read that with me. 
Okay. Reggie, one thing I will ask them, I will say, are you everyone? And even the, the dullest bulb will say, uh, yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, most people know that, that they're part of everyone. So do you call on the name of the Lord? Were you sincere? Either God's a liar or, or, or God saved you if you sincerely did that. First John 5, 12, and 13 are some classic assurance verses. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Listen to verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may wish and hope that you have eternal life. Is that what it says? That you may what? No. Some scholars believe 1 John was written for that purpose. So, so we can, you need to know and you can know. They can know. So you want to help them right off the bat. Number two, give them a Bible and a translation they can understand. Get them a Bible and a translation they can understand. I'm just going to throw a couple of translations. I think we have these in your notes. The New Century Version, you could, might get that at the bookstore here in town. You can certainly get it online. It's written on a third grade reading level. Hey, you're a teacher, educator. The average person reads on about a sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade reading level probably. Did you hear that? You go, wait a second. I live in Ruston and I have a Ph.D. That's awesome. But not everybody has a Ph.D. The average person, re- adult, reads on a fifth or sixth grade reading level. The New Living Translation, which I preach out of that some, that's written on a sixth grade level. King James is written on a 12th grade level. You like the King James? Amen, that's great for you. It's difficult for people to read, and it's written in a foreign English. Thou agreest with thatest? <laughs> Nothing wrong with the King James, but it is hard to read. How many of you know what the message is? The message, you know, it's written on a fourth or fifth grade. Now, it's, it's literally a more of a paraphrase, but... Uh, it, it's written on lower level. I preach out of the NIV, uh, ESV a lot, English Standard Version. It's written on a 10th grade reading level. It's hard to read in places, but it's, it's good. Now, a study Bible, the Life Application Study Bible, that is not a translation. That is a type of study Bible. In fact, you can get it in multiple translations. People will ask me, what's the best study Bible? I think the best overall study Bible that I have seen, and I, my job is to read these kind of books all the time. This is probably one of the best, the life application. You can get that, I think, in the ESV, the NLT, the NIV. You, maybe you can get it in King James, but that's a great study Bible. Number three, get them a devotional guide, a devotional guide. You, you go to the bookstore, there's a lot of good simple daily devotionals. This time alone with God, we have these down front. Best thing I've ever seen on how to pray and read your Bible a uh, 10-year-old can read it and grasp it, and so can a, a, a 110-year-old. So it's very, as long as they have magnifying glasses. So it's, it's, uh, it, is, it is good, and we have many of these available. When I first got here, we had a, a librarian. We were, we were giving these out, and, and she approached me after church in a panic. And she said, do you have copyright? She's kind of looking around. I think she thought the feds were going to come in here and get us, which was funny. We do have copyright. We can print these. I did call them. This is not illegal. If you get pulled over by the cops on the way home with this in your car, you will not go to the library prison. 
which probably wouldn't be bad. You just couldn't talk. (laughs) Explain baptism to them. Number four, explain baptism. Baptism is the first act of obedience for the new believer. In the New Testament, when, when you got saved, you got what? You got baptized. You got baptized. It is a public profession of faith. It's several things. It's symbolic and significant in a lot of ways. But one of the greatest things it is, is it's a public way. I mean, you think about this, I always, especially with adults, you're asking an adult to get in a tub of water in front of a bunch of their peers and get dunked. That's odd, isn't it? But it's a powerful statement of faith, the washing away of the sin, the beginning of a new life. Number five, help them get in a good church. Hopefully, we qualify. Number one, this is a novel idea. Bring them with you. Don't just say, hey, that's a good church, but I'm busy today. You go. Bring them with you. Number two, help them find one. Sometimes you're going to help somebody come to Christ, and they live in another city or another town. It's worth your effort to get online and look for some things in the church that they're not going to have a clue about, that you can help them find a church that would fit them. Number three, inform a minister of their recent decision. Listen, let me say, you got a family member that lives in Dallas, or you lead someone to Christ on an airplane, and they live in Dallas, and you call a church in Dallas and say, I'm giving you this person's contact information. They may come to your church. They just got saved. They will be thrilled to hear that. You You understand? That's, the, that's why they exist as a minister. So inform somebody that can help them. Some other helpful, number six, give them some other helpful materials. That could be, a, a, again, a, a daily devotional book. Get them something that's simple. My utmost for his highest is a great one. It's not for a new Christian. Y'all familiar with that? Oswald Chambers, one of the greatest devotional books ever but it's not for the baby Christian. We got a little track down here you can give to somebody. Welcome to God's family. They're down here. They're written for kids, but they're, they're, it's good. It really is good. I want to ask, is there any questions, but then that might be weird, right? Maybe hold on to that thought. Let me give you some final thoughts. Always remember your four keys to being an effective witness. You, hey, You're never going to witness beyond who you are, right? Sometimes we're not sharing Jesus because we don't have Jesus. Sometimes as a Christian, we have him, but we are so far away from God. We're bitter. We're angry. We've got so much sin we're not dealing with in our own life. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's just bottled up in our little toe, and we're never going to win people to Christ. You got to be who you should be. You got to pray. You got to look for those opportunities. Number two, be ready to share your testimony. Man, that's your greatest, remember, that's your greatest tool, what God's done in your life. Gene, nobody can argue with you about what God's done in your life, can they? They can argue the book of Revelation with you. Uh, They can't argue what Jesus did in your life. Number three, know that Romans wrote. Man, it's so simple. We got, Clayton, where are you? Clayton, we got the bookmarkers down here, don't we? We have the Romans Road bookmarkers, but we also have John 3 that we learned a few weeks ago. We have those bookmarkers that has the sinner's prayer on the back. So get those and use those. Be ready to lead someone to Christ. 
you know, you don't want to be, get them all the way to the buffet and then say, well, I don't know how to tell you to get to the food. That doesn't help, does it? You need to be ready to lead somebody to Christ. Well, that's not my, yes, it is your gifting. It is your calling. Here's, a, here's another challenge. Man, make a commitment to be a soul winner. How many of you remember when the 90 Minutes in Heaven guy came and spoke here? That was 2006. And he was so, so good. And, and I remember one thing he said. You remember he said this, that the people that were waiting at the gates to receive him were the people who had helped him come to Christ. Do you remember that? I wonder how many people you and I will have the privilege of waiting on. You know, you would hate to get to the gate, and Peter says, well, you made it in. <laughs> Just go on in. Get settled in. Nobody's going to be coming up here because of you. Make a commitment. Proverbs 11.30. This is in the New International Version. Read that with me. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He who wins souls is wise. Luke 19.10, Jesus mentioning one of his purpose statements. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Who are you supposed to pattern your life after? Jesus. If, if, Jesus is, if Jesus lists about four purposes for his coming, and one of them was to be a, a, an evangelist, that's ours too. I love 1 Corinthians 10, 33, 11 through 11, 1. God through Paul says, as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, oh my goodness, how much we do that, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. We gave you tonight a copy of the Soul Winner's Prayer. It's, it's, a, it's written in a rough style. It's written as a prayer. If you didn't get one of those, we should have them up front. I would encourage you, if not daily, several times a week to pray that prayer sincerely. There's a list of Scripture verses that go with that if you have questions. Spend your life glorifying God and trying to reach as many people as you can for Him. You know, when we get to heaven, we get to heaven... We won't need the Bible anymore because we'll have the Word of God in front of us, won't we? God Himself. But read that Bible as much as you can now, but it'll be fun. We'll, you know, we'll get to heaven, we'll have that. Praise God now, man, praise God. Thank God now, but we'll also, in eternity, we'll get to praise and thank God forever, won't we? Love other believers. And in heaven, we'll get to do that. We'll get to do that all the time. You know, the one thing you will never get to do once you get to heaven, you'll never get a chance to help someone else get to heaven. That's an assignment for you while you're here on this earth. I want to just, we're not going to give a come forward invitation, but I want to ask you to bow your heads, please. And, and I, want to, I want to challenge you, if you're not a Christian or you're unsure of that, after church, I'll be standing over here by the piano door. You come down here, find me or one of our ministers. Let us help you find Christ tonight. If you're here this evening and as a Christian, man, 
Get your life squared up with God. Quit making excuses. And ask God to help you to be a a soul winner, a difference maker. How many people can you take to heaven with you? Go on that journey, friend. Jesus, thank you that you loved us enough to die for us, to arise for us, and to save us when we called on your name. Thank you that, God, somebody loved us enough to to tell us about you. May May we pass that gift on to others. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Folks, 